me Famous scenes with drama queens and heroes Acted out there on the silver screen Come grab a seat, the popcorn is on me Welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning the Second, right here from C19 TV. Spending time with you chatting movies with Thomas Manning over here. Camera two. Good That's to see right. you, man. How it are is you? camera two. I'm glad you got it right this <laughs> I got time. It right. Yeah. I got it right. Yeah. I can count. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm doing great. Glad to see you here all nice and relaxed and you're you know untucked. You got shorts on, you got your Chuck Taylors. Yeah, like, this is this yeah. is kind of a different kind of look for me. But yeah, these these are the real deal, man. I, I got these back in high school, circa nineteen eighty-three. And they that you know, size what they fourteen? I guess they're size fourteen. They work. See, look at that, man. That's pretty good stuff. That's good stuff. I hope you've washed them a few times since then. <laughs> nope. That was the deal in high school. If you had shoes, you never washed them. You never washed them. So I haven't. Now, now you may have, or somebody else may have. But yeah, you know, it, it's summer. It's almost summer. Uh, we're, we're starting to get back into theaters again. People are getting excited. So I figured, ah, I think I'll dress down. I'll pull the jacket off. And, and relax a little bit. So you like you like the look? I do like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not many people your age can pull it off, but but you're what? not many people your age. So, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean, people my age? Not many people. Greg, what's that all about, man? Not many. You don't you don't think I can pull it off? I bet you can pull it off. Greg Tillman can pull it off. What do you think? Greg Tillman can always pull it off. He can pull so, off anything, man. Yeah. He can pull off anything. Well, it it is, <laughs> it is a strange start. Uh, to the show, and, and if you hang around, there may be other strangeness occurring. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I can't imagine what you're teasing here. Yeah, it, it's yeah. possible. It's possible. So hang around. There may be some, some odd, strange things happening, and, and from different universes, multiverses, mind you, possibly. So hang around. Hang around for that because you may, may see some things. Uh, th there is a, a Paramount Plus TV series. I want to talk about this. And, and Thomas, you love mob films, you, you love The Godfather. But I cannot get you to watch the TV series called The Offer, which is uh, it's based on the making of The Godfather. It's a behind-the-scenes look, I, and I can't get you to watch this. What's that all about? Uh, just some of the negative reactions I've heard about uh, it. And, uh, reactions. And also, also the fact that I have a limited amount of time with things <laughs> that I can watch. Right? And if it's not something that I'm just like fully, you know, fully involved in, it's not something that I know I'm going to love, then... You know, I got to be selective about okay. it. So. All right, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Well, I, I have watched the first few episodes, and it is a 10 episode miniseries, and it is available on Paramount Plus, and it is the story behind the making of The Godfather, uh, The Godfather book, and The Godfather film. Uh, Miles Teller, uh, Colin Hanks, Juno Temple, Matthew Good, and also Giovanni Rabisi all star in this uh, 10 part miniseries. Uh, here's the storyline, basically. There's three different stories. You have a young Hollywood producer for Paramount. You have the writer of the Godfather book. Uh, and you also have the backstory of the gangsters themselves all playing a role within this particular series. Uh, I find the story. I also find the characters engaging. I think there's incredible uh, attention paid to the production design, uh, the costumes, the hair and makeup, all of those things. Uh, or, or very impressive for me. It really took me back to this time period in the early 70s in the Hollywood scene. I uh, also really uh, appreciate what I think 
others will appreciate. If you love uh, looking behind the scenes at what it takes to make a film, if you like movies about movies or TV shows about movie making or, or making TV, I think you'll find this fascinating. So much of it actually takes place on the Paramount lot. Uh, and as I was watching that first episode, uh, I was drawn back to when you and I went to the Paramount lot, and we had a pretty, pretty private tour. We did, yeah. Uh, just this person on a golf cart taking us around, and we got to see where uh, Alfred Hitchcock wrote. What was the? It was like an office. Well, it he was had. his office, yeah. yeah, literally his office for a number of years, yeah. Um, so I, I really found that part of it uh, immersive for me because I was there and I saw so much about what was happening there. So if you like. Uh, if you like movies about movies, TV shows about movies, and if you like things about the mob, uh, I think you might find this is worth your time. There are some great characters playing other actors. So you'll see these kind of cameos pop up of somebody playing Anne Margaret or somebody playing Robert Redford or Ally McGraw. Uh, I really appreciated that as well. Uh, this is based on the true story of the producer who uh, was set up to do this. It's based on his memoirs and his thoughts. So uh, you might ask yourself whenever you think about movies that are based on true story, how much reality is here? Uh, there's always artistic license. So uh, if, if you think you're going in to watch a documentary, understand it's not a documentary. But uh, ultimately, I don't think it matters. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things that's eye candy and it's also my mind candy uh, as well. Um, I, I thought the cinematography was pretty solid. Uh, and what I loved about the cinematography and some of the shots that were selected, it paid homage to a lot of Paramount films throughout Paramount's history. And I thought that was an interesting way uh, to make this happen. Uh, pacing was a bit off at times. It did feel a bit sluggish a little bit. Um, but for me, um, I, I, I didn't find that uh, distracting. I, I was just engaged. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, just for the fact that I love movies about movies. So the offer uh, is available on Paramount Plus, and I'm giving this a, a solid B rating. So, um, Thomas, I know everybody else is giving it like a D and an F. But for me, I was engaged, dude. All right, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. Uh, so was Francis Ford Coppola at all involved in this? or? Uh, there's someone playing Francis Ford Coppola, yes. <laughs> I mean, creatively, did he have any producing credits on it? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's a question we're going to have to ask Greg because he is our R&D guy today. So he's going to have to look that up and then he'll get back to us on that after the break. After one of the breaks we're going to take. Nice. Like seven of them. Awesome. Seven breaks today right here on Meet Me at the Movies. Uh, Thomas, there's a movie that I can never get the title right. It's always everything whenever could be uh, twice. Uh, that, that's it? Close enough. Okay. <laughs> Everything, everywhere, all at once. That is correct. An A24 film. You can find this in theaters. Yeah, yeah. So this is written and directed by the Daniels, a uh, director duo, but their last Jack? names. Nope, their last nope. names aren't Daniels. <laughs> They're, both their first names are Daniels. You have uh, Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan. You might know them from their work on Swiss Army Man a few years ago with uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. Uh, and that was a bizarre film. Very bizarre film. It wasn't exactly my cup of tea, but this one is bizarre in a different way and was exactly what I was looking for. Uh, so it kind of, it really is a family drama at the heart of it. You have uh, Michelle Yeoh, she plays Evelyn, who is a, she's a Chinese immigrant, a wife and a mother struggling with all the important relationships in her family, uh, relationships between her and her husband and between her and her daughter. Um, and she's also struggling with her business just barely keeping everything afloat. Um, and so at first glance, her character is the centerpiece of the narrative, 
and most of the story is told through her eyes. But as you move through the film, you, you begin to realize how important those other two characters, her husband and her daughter are. They're, they're just as crucial thematically to the entire arc as you know as she is. Um, her husband is played by a K. Um, Kei Kwan, who is short round. It is short round. Short round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, he, his name is Waymond, and uh, he's he's characterized by this kind and gentle nature. And on the surface, some people think he's a bit of a pushover, but you know, as you move through the film, you realize that one of the most important aspects of the narrative is the exploration of the power of his compassion and his kindness. Yeah. Um, and uh, then you have the daughter, who's played by Stephanie Shu. And uh, her name is Joy, and she's going through all the emotions that an early 20-something would be going through. Um, and she's also just struggling with the generational divide. Uh, her mother grew up in a different culture and different society. And um, just that kind of adds a rift in their relationship dynamic. Um, so all of these character dynamics are swirling around. And it would have made a great, just straightforward family drama. Yeah. But then there is, it morphs into this multiversal war, this insane sci-fi epic. Um, and it just bends at every turn. And you know, there were times when I was watching this, I thought to myself, I feel like I'm witnessing the birth of a new cinematic language. So. Yeah, and, and uh, at times you feel like you're watching a superhero film as well. Right. Because of what happens to characters when they can kind of channel what's happening in the other uh, universes. Um, you, you talk about it being bizarre. I found it brilliantly bizarre in a good way. I found it full of meaning um, and full of madness at the same time. Right, right. And uh, this is uh, it's interesting how this was a multiverse film that came out uh, about a month before uh, another big multiverse film was coming up, Doctor Strange. strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm interested to watch that film now and compare that to see how it explores, see what kind of themes can be connected there. And also, um, I think, it can be connected to a previous uh, multiverse film from a few months ago, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And I think just both of those have um, a thematic through line just about the power of compassion, you know, the power yeah. of radical acts of love, power of yes. forgiveness and um, just, you know, kindness above all else. Yeah, this is a film that I found could stimulate your brain, your heart uh, and your soul at the same time and it's very difficult for films to do that and to do that well um, i found myself looking at this and there, there were so many thematic thoughts that were there um, some of the questions like where do i belong do i matter and what does it mean to be myself um, i loved that and I, I think it asked it and as you said if, if it had been just a, a just a drama it would have been fascinating but it did it in this way that really found a way to engage people in a different way. Yeah, yeah. and the first time I saw this film, I saw it a couple weeks ago, and it was in a standard theater, which was still incredible, but then got to go back with you and watch it in IMAX, and certain portions of the film are shot on IMAX cameras, and you can see the yeah. aspect ratio switches, and uh, so that was just very immersive, um, and I think just this is a film that is just technically as riveting as it is, you know, emotionally and narratively. So. It's not a film for everyone. Uh, it's not for the casual viewer. Uh, you really have to watch every scene. If you walk out to get popcorn, you can be prepared for somebody to tell you what you missed, and they may not be able to actually tell you what they what you missed unless it's early on because there is so much uh, going on. I do want to say that if you're prone to seizures, uh, be prepared uh, because it is uh, very fast-paced. There are a lot of fast-paced edits. 
uh, some super quick cuts, uh, and there's also enough flash sequences to uh, make you feel like you're in a Disney Park theme ride. Yeah, yeah, so I think there, there should have been a bit of a photosensitive warning like that ahead of yeah. time. Um, but you know, for viewers out there, just take that into account. Um, but overall, I'm sitting with a solid A for everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, there's pretty much nothing I would change about it, and uh, I just really glad I got to go back and watch it with you as well. I am too. Solid A for me as well. And talk about production design, costume design. The costume design and makeup design in this film, absolutely phenomenal because there are so there multi universes, multiverses, and with each of those. The characters look different and are doing different things. Uh, that was incredibly yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah, and all that plays into the central character and the central theme. Yeah, it does. Yeah, amazing film, amazing film. It's one that I think, um, as I start talking about awards at the end of the year, I'm going to come back to this one. There, there's something about this one I think that will really stick with me. Uh, again, it, it's something that's a bit different. So uh, it, it's unlike anything I've seen in a long time. A rating for uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, right here on Meet Me at the Movies. I'm Noel T. Manning II. That's Thomas Manning. Uh, Greg Tillman back there on Mission Control. Wait, that's not Greg. That's what the heck. Man, he looks different. Good to see you, man. You, you, you're smelling good. Yeah, I like, I like that, uh, that cologne you got on. That's some good stuff, man. Yeah. Eau de Beau, that's good stuff. Good stuff. We're going to take... A quick intermission right here on Meet Me at the Movies, and we're going to come back and see what kind of strangeness uh, we can get into, maybe. Cleveland Community College has identified strengthening online learning as the topic for its quality enhancement plan. We're calling it SOUL. SOUL's five-year implementation plan is focused on continuous improvement of online courses and promoting student success. We're excited for you to take this journey with us. For many kids, just showing up to school is a challenge. Staying through graduation is even harder. So at Communities and Schools, we do just what our name says. Our staff brings a community of resources to meet each student's needs right in their school, doing whatever it takes to keep kids focused so they see what we see, a bright future. Join in at communitiesandschools.org. Won't you come and meet me at the movie? 
Welcome back to Meet Me in the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here from C19 TV. And if you're uh, checking out the podcast and the radio version through WGWG, we appreciate that as well. And you can email us if you have any non-viewer questions. Info at C19.TV. Uh, Thomas, uh, last week on the show, I got a chance to talk to the composer for the film you're getting ready to review. And man, that was a blast. And the movie itself was just as a blast. That is correct. Just as a blast. It was just. It was <laughs> just, just as, as much. Awesome. Just as much of a blast. Yes, thank you. Left you. out a word there, but it's all right. That's that's what I get for being a dad. Go ahead. <laughs> right, right. So this is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, a lot of wordy titles on this week's show. Uh, between you know unbearable weight of massive talent, everything, everywhere, all at once. There might be a multiverse of madness. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, this film is a vessel uh, to celebrate the entire career of Nicolas Cage. Our, our main guy, uh, but it's also meant to celebrate the art of acting and in uh, its capacity for empathy, just the, the capacity the acting has for that emotion. Um, and in this movie, Cage is playing himself. Uh, he founds himself buried in debt, and he has no choice but to make it, take an unconventional gig. Um, so he goes to an island off the coast of Spain, and uh, he's going to meet one of his super fans. Uh, who's going to pay him a million dollars to come to his birthday party. See, that so, happens every week right here on Meet Me the Movies. We get offers, Thomas and I, yeah. from super fans to go to Spain to birthday parties. Not just Spain, but also Kayser, North Carolina. <laughs> That's too. exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so the thing about the super fan is his name is Javi, and he's played by Pedro Pascal, um, and he does have you know a lot of money. He's a billionaire, and there are some questions, you know, where does he get this money from? Um, and uh, but when I say he's a super fan, he is uh, he definitely goes into the obsessive side of things. Uh, he has a he has an entire warehouse that's a shrine to Nicolas Cage. He has a wax figure replica of Nicolas Cage's character from Face Off, Caster Troy. Um, and um, so in the middle of all this, Nick, at first he's obviously creeped out by it, yeah. um, but then he kind of develops a genuine friendship with this guy, yeah. and uh, he finds that they have a lot in common, they're some kindred spirits. Um, but at the same time, Nick is also contacted by the CIA who is investigating Javi, and uh, they're investigating Javi's ties to his criminal empire and also his ties to a potential a political kidnapping that there was. Um, there was a daughter of a prominent Spain politician who was kidnapped, and uh, they have the CIA contacts Nick, they're like, hey, you're on the inside, you want to help us out here. And so in the middle of this, you know, Nick is going through his own crisis, uh, his own midlife crisis when he's buried in debt. And he's also kind of, he's ruined relationships with his family, with his, with his wife and with his daughter. Um, so in the middle of all of this, he's in, a, he's in a pickle between loyalty to his new friend, Javi, and also loyalty to his own moral compass. Um, with his daughter that he's, he's feels really guilty about how he handled that relationship, you know, maybe if he's able to save the daughter of this Spain politician, uh, he might be able to find some redemption. So that's, that's just, there's a lot of different dynamics that yeah. are here, you know, jostling within his own you know, inner conflict. Um, and the narrative structure of the film itself is a commentary on the traditional studio pictures of the last decade. Um, it's a very meta film. And, um, Nick is also helping Javi develop a movie script. Um, and, but Nick is using the script to further investigate Javi and piece together the conflicting reports he's hearing from both sides between 
you know, between the CIA and then between Javi's side of the story. There's a lot going on. There movie. is. There most certainly <laughs> is. And, yeah. But it's also a movie that's got heart to it. It does. As well. It's not just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage and having fun within that role, which he does. There's a, it's a buddy film, but it's, it, 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 it's a film that... Almost um, defies genre. Would you say that? Yes, yes, it most certainly does. There, um, there's a conversation between the characters of Avi and uh, Nick, and um, they're they're talking about the script they're writing, but they're also talking about the film as a whole. And they're like, well, this this I feel like we're starting out with a you know, nice emotional character drama, and then by the time the third act comes around, we're just going to go into crazy action set pieces. And they're you know they're talking about their script, but they're also talking about the movie. That they're in. That's right. um, yeah. And so there are so many layers to it. I, I really think this would make an interesting double feature with The Matrix Resurrections. Really? Uh, from, you know, last year, which okay. was uh, a film about, you know, stories within stories. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It, it's um, a film like this. It, it's We talked earlier about, uh, with the other film, uh, everything, uh, everything Everywhere All at Once that it's tough to make a film like that and make it work. Same way with this film. It, yeah, and it most certainly worked. Um, I Obviously, I walked away from it just having been thoroughly entertained for two hours, yeah. but also I, I was moved by it. Yeah. Uh, moved by the father-daughter relationship, yeah. moved by the you know the kind of brotherhood developed between Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal's character. Yeah. And um, just, um, you know, the, uh, the acting that Cage gets to do here. He gets to display pretty much his entire range of acting yes. talent that he's yes. he's cultivated over a 30-year career. And some of it is uh, just there, you know, it's kind of fan service, but right. also some of it actually serves um, the emotional core of the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's if, if you're a Cage fan, uh, and if you just want to laugh as well, and if you, again, if you like movies about movies, which I talked about a little bit earlier, this is something worth checking out. It most definitely is, yeah. And I'm going to give a solid A- minus to the unbearable weight, the massive talent. But as far as like fun that I've had in the theater, I don't see this uh, experience being topped anytime soon. Awesome. So. Uh, and the movie is in theaters now. Uh, there's a series in season three. It's called Barry. That's probably the shortest title and easiest title that we can say today on the show. Um, uh, Bill Hader is in this, Henry Winkler, Sarah Goldberg. Uh, they're continuing to come back, and what I found that I find fascinating about this series is it finds a way to reinvent itself with each season. Each season's a little different uh, with the characters and also the situations. It evolves, and the way it evolves, it feels so organic. It doesn't feel forced. I really like that. Uh, if you're not familiar with the story, in essence, uh, there's an assassin who kind of wants to get out of the business and uh, turns to acting. Um, because he's following a mark who happens to be in an acting school. And once that happens, that's that inciting incident that changes everything and that launches the series. There's a lot that happens over the course uh, of season one and season two. There are also some uh, Chechen mobsters uh, that are involved. And we got a chance to have our picture made with one of them, Thomas. Yeah, that is uh, Anthony Kerrigan who plays, uh, <laughs> what, what, what's the character's name? Uh, it's Moho, right? Uh, Ho, sure, we'll go with that. Mojo, Mojo, Mojo. No, yeah. I, I, you know what? I, it's 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 Chechen uh, Chechen mobster, number one. That's what we'll call him. But it's a very dark comedy uh, and and dark at its core. 
Um, it's, it's got this realistic feel to it, um, and it's also fueled with some wonderful writing and acting. And season three uh, gets a little darker, and, and there are times in season one and two that you find yourself going, okay, they're not going to go there, but they do. And uh, it, it's a surprise, but at the same time, that's what keeps it real to me. Yeah, yeah, I haven't ventured into season three yet, but I watched the first two seasons uh, earlier this year. And uh, what I love about it is the character of Barry, he's, I mean, he's obviously the protagonist of the show, but he's not exactly a good guy. No, <laughs> but he wants to be. He wants to be, he wants and to he's be. trying to be. He, he does, he's, he's tortured by so much yep. just, you know, inner darkness. Yeah. And that, you know, the way he expresses that and the way he struggles with that, um, that just makes for some very interesting character drama for yeah. television. And, and he ends up getting into acting um, as an escape from this past, but also it, it serves as a, as a uh, part of therapy for yeah, him as yeah. well. And, and you can see these um, flashes to where he's really at war with himself. And uh, even uh, Henry Winkler stars as the acting coach who's teaching this, this class of, of some not so great acting talent. And, and he, he says, you know, give me something real Give me something from your past. Let me see that. And they don't know what they're asking for. They do not. With they Barry. do not. And, uh, and when he does it, you know, when you see him pulling that out, you, uh, he's an amazing actor. Yes, yeah. He's an amazing actor. Yeah, Bill Hader, Hader, we know him from his time on SNL. Yes. And even on SNL, just the, the range of characters that yeah. he did, the range of skits, you know, yeah. he, he can do a great impression of Daniel Day-Lewis oh, from yeah. There Will Be Blood. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The, the Stefan is another great yes. character that's completely different from yeah. what we see in Barry. But his so, character yeah. here is, is amazing. And it, and it takes uh, the arc of his character throughout seasons one and two, and as we're starting season three, really amazing. A minus rating right now for me on season three. A Barry, you can find that on HBO Max. All right, Thomas, we are getting ready to go on location. We've been teasing some strange activity happening. So uh, Dr. Strange, the Multiverse of Madness in theaters now. So we're going to go uh, on location and get some first reactions. Hi, and welcome into a bonus segment of Meet Me in the Movies. I am Thomas Manning here with some of North Carolina's finest film critics. We have just finished up a screening of Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and we're going to have some thoughts from each, uh, pretty much everybody who wants to chime in. So, uh, we can start it over here with Mr. Douglas Davidson, friend of the show. Hi, how you doing? Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for organizing this, Hollywood. Of course, uh, of course. I thought it was an absolute roller coaster. And for once in the longest time, we actually have an MCU film that feels like it has a specific director's vision and approach. And as a longtime Sam Raimi fan, it feels so good to see him back on the big screen. We're gonna pass it back. <laughs> We're gonna pass it back to Mr. Daryl Mansell. Oh man, an excellent movie. It's gonna be one for the ages. Fans are gonna love this. A great balance of action and character. It's gonna have more than what you expect, not what you expect. You prepare for the for everything. <laughs> so, I never know when you're coming. <laughs> and we have Khalil Nelson over here. So this is probably Marvel's best like entry into phase four MCU right now. Definitely Sam Raimi promised horror, that's what you get. This is the most horror film you've ever seen in the MCU. I loved it. You're definitely gonna have a great time this weekend. Go see it. Excellent. And we have Joel Winstead. Uh, we now live in a multiverse where Sam Raimi got full control of a movie for Marvel. 
we we have Gabe Lapalumbella. Close. La Um, it's wild and weird, and it's not going to be for everyone. But man, I know this group had a blast, and so did I. And I hope Sam Raimi sticks around in the MCU. And a couple friends of the show, they're not certified film critics, per se. They're certifiable, though. There they are. Andrew Eisenman. I mean, like, the action was great. Sam Raimi's throwing the camera everywhere. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, everywhere I was looking, there was just stuff everywhere. It was awesome. Stuff everywhere. That's what we love. <laughs> and Tremaine Booker. Uh, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, the eerie feel is just amazing. Uh, it will be... Uh, I think a fan favorite for horror film, uh, film uh, people. Um, I loved it. I love it. I still have the eerie feeling right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for uh, this bonus segment of Meet Me in the Movies talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Hi, and welcome back into the show. I want to thank Noel Manning for his reaction to Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, and I want to thank Thomas Manning for his reaction to the Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness uh, right here on Meet Me at the Movies. Hope you appreciated that. We will wrap things up with a movie quote of the week. Uh, that does come from everything, everywhere, all at once, from Alpha Waymond. Uh, every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this very moment. Till next time, for Thomas Manning, for Greg Tillman, for Tim Foster, the cadaver, and Noel T. Manning II, that's a wrap. <laughs>